filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, it is your buddy Gavin, Filibuster Freestyle, February 8th, 2020, and this is what I believe to be the last podcast we will be recording in our Charlotte studio. We are... Uh, about to be en route to a new location. It has been real, Charlotte. Um, not going to talk a lot about that right now, um, but there is a lot to say about it, which, you know, we'll see how I feel after I, I drive 13 hours to get to my new, my new destination. But um, we didn't start the podcast here, but certainly the majority of the podcast has been recorded here. Crack Research Team is already on the road, and uh, I'll be joining them shortly. So, Thanks to everybody in Charlotte. It's been awesome. North Carolina uh, community up at Davidson College. Everybody. It's been amazing. Um, today's pod, um, interesting topic. Going to get to that in a second. Before I do, places listening. France, number one. USA, number two. The United Kingdom, number three. Followed by Australia, Spain, Sweden, Canada, Austria, Latvia, Italy, and New Zealand checking in as well. So thanks to everybody for listening. Of the places listening, those are all countries. The top two cities listening are Paris, France, and Hertford, England. Hertford in the UK. So uh, thanks to Hertford for, for jumping over everybody besides Paris, and thanks for Paris for holding it down still. Très bien. Um, so today's topic. First of all, we've got a, a new pundit, a longtime friend of myself and the pod, um, but her first appearance on the show will be today. I think she's uniquely suited for it. It's our friend Tana Prosper. Tana lives in Los Angeles. Tana played basketball growing up. She played in college. She still plays basketball, even though she's a similar age of me as, as I am. And um, while I don't think that that's old at all, I do think that my basketball days are behind me, and she still does it. So huge basketball fan. She also has been living on the West Coast, and more importantly, living in Los Angeles for the better part, I believe, of at least the past decade. So we've got somebody who didn't grow up in L.A., who loves basketball, who now does live in L.A. And I, what I want to talk to Tana about is just the, the, the vibe, kind of the feeling, basically what's kind of going on in Los Angeles post the passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna and I believe seven other passengers in the helicopter crash that happened a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, I, everybody's covered this. I'm not trying to be salacious by covering it, but, you know, I do happen to have a friend who loves basketball, who didn't grow up a Lakers fan, but who grew up a huge basketball fan, who's knowledgeable about the sport, and who lives in L.A. And, and, and I think what I'm interested in today is to just talk about, again, this this, I don't, I don't want to say vibe, but this feeling of, of when people kind of come together or deal with collectively uh, a, an accident like this. You know, I'm a little bit at a loss for words and I apologize, but without a doubt, it was a very sudden group impact. You know, losing Kobe Bryant, somebody who's been very visible for the last, I think, 25 years in the American consciousness and worldwide due to his position as an NBA star, um, when somebody who's, you know, 41 years old and healthy, who we've seen on TV for their entire adult lives, who we see on TV recently um, with his daughter, who also has passed, again, it's, it's, a, it's a group impact, and especially for Los Angelinos, especially for Lakers fans, which obviously is a worldwide network, but clearly centered in Los Angeles. So that's the reason Tana's going to come on. Um, again, the accident, the helicopter crash happened two weeks ago. We are not trying to be salacious so much as I think it's really interesting to just kind of look at how do people as a group kind of deal with the same accidental event together or, you know, amongst each other, for a bit lack of a better term. So uh, theme song already happened. I'm going to bring Tana in right now. Thanks for listening, as always, to the Filibuster Freestyle. We appreciate it. All right, folks, as promised... Tana Prosper's joined us from the West Coast. Tana, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited. Yeah, this is great. I mean, 
certainly somebody that I've I've wanted to have on, and it's kind of one of those things where you you hate to like force something, but then all of a sudden, you know, something comes up where it's like, oh, that person's an, like the best person I know to talk about this. And so, <laughs> my belief, my hope is now that you know we've got you on the air, that we'll just think, and by we I mean me, we'll think of many other things to bring you on for. So hopefully, this is you know first time, but not the last time. So. Um, yeah, thanks again for coming on, and um, of I kind of let the folks know a little bit about your background in terms of, you didn't grow up in LA, but you grew up playing basketball, you played in college, I think you still play a little bit? Yeah, I do, in you know, a couple of old lady leagues, <laughs> <laughs> still keeping the hoop dreams alive. Right, and so, you know, when, when you're in the in the range of 40, you know, and I'm not going to tell people if you're north <laughs> or south, that's that's your business, but... I've established that you and I are about the same age and people know that I'm about 41. So like props to you for playing hoops, first of all. But in, in general, that gives me like, it just underscores the point that you clearly, basketball has been a big part of your life and you've been in LA for like, have you been in the West Coast for like 10 years yet or, or so? Not yet. Okay. It's been collectively... Uh, oh my gosh, it might be almost yeah, like right? seven years Okay, between like grad school and yeah, yeah, about seven years or so. Yeah. So you went to uh, grad school in San Diego and then moved up to LA, right? Essentially. Right. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. And you're from New York city, correct? Yes. Born and raised in Jamaica, Queens, South side. Right. What up? Exactly. <laughs> Let's, uh, yeah, and I tell you what, you know this cause I, you, we've known me for a long time, but, uh, I worked in this, I worked in Jamaica for a bit, St. John's University. Uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I want to say what's up to all the folks on Union Turnpike. You know, let's go. <laughs> Gotta love it. I miss Gotta that Q46 bus every day, twice a day. You know, <laughs> 2006 is in the house. Um, yeah. So anyway, we go way back, and you, you know, you're again, you're a New Yorker. You're in LA. You like basketball. So I guess where I'll start, and we'll see where this goes, but. Um, where were you when you heard the news about Kobe and, and the folks in, in this the, the, the tragic crash? Because I feel like this is one of those ones that people are going to remember where they were forever. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm not really a morning person. Okay. But, you know, I also have two adults. So <laughs> working a nine-to-five kind of schedule is not ideal for me. So on the weekends, if I don't have anything to do, I just – stay in bed for as long as I mm, possibly can. Yeah. So when I heard the news, I got a text message from my friend out in Boston. Um, she lives out in like Needham and she's like, I'm sad about Kobe. And huh. it had to be, I think it was like noon or like 1 PM here. Yeah. West, West Coast, Coast time. Sure. Point. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what? And then I didn't even respond to her. I just immediately like Googled mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant death or whatever yeah and then i saw tmz reported that shit and i was like oh oh kobe did because like yeah. i remember when michael jackson passed tmz was the first to break it and it took all the other media outlets like hours mm -hmm. before they confirmed it but i'm like somehow tmz be knowing so when i saw tmz <laughs> reported it i was like bruh yeah kobe's dead at 41 and you know i'm 40 right so like i'm just a year younger than him mm. i was it, it just blew my mind and then my the second thought was like gianna's gonna be crushed because as a women's basketball player right you know i'm very aware of like him going to bath taking her to basketball games and their love of the game and sharing that yeah. and i'm like I wonder, like, she's going to be crushed. I wonder if she'll still keep playing ball. Because at that point, they hadn't confirmed that Gianna had, like, right, passed away. Right. So um, that was, like, my second thought um, immediately after, like, bruh, Kobe's gone. Right. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I it's weird because, like, I got I literally happened to get married the, day, the night before. Okay, so he, he died on the 26th, and, and we got married on the 25th. And then, you know, you're already kind of – like experiencing a literal and existential hangover the day after you get married anyway. Um, mm -hmm. And then I saw Tom Brady said Kobe too soon and had like four heart emojis, whatever he tweeted. And I don't have it in front of me, but, and I'm just like, why would he be so like, what's like, my brain was like slow. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like, why is Tom Brady all yeah. upset about something Kobe did, you know? And then I'm like, okay, you got to Google this. And I was like, oh my God. And then, 
Yeah, I mean, my my first thought was what you said. He's this, like the guy was three three months older than me. So, mm-hmm. like, my first thought when I thought it was maybe just him and a pilot, or I didn't know enough about it, was, man, it really makes you take stock of how yeah. quick life can change. And then as the news started coming out, and there was conflicting reports, like, was it multiple members of Kobe's family, and then it was nobody else in Kobe's family, and then we got. You know, the unfortunate news of Gianna and then the other seven passengers, including like a mother and a father and a daughter of a family that has now two children with no parents. Like, whoa, it went from sobering and like life moment to incredibly just senseless. And, you know, your heart breaks for everybody. So absolutely, definitely one of those moments where I think people will always remember where they were because it was just so sudden. Um, So let's kind of we touched on. That you're not from LA, but like, what were your feelings on Kobe prior to being a West Coaster as like just a basketball player and fan and somebody who knows the game? What were your thoughts on him in general? Yeah. Um, well, I was I was definitely not a Kobe stan. In fact, I probably hated Kobe um, mainly because I thought he was a supreme asshole. Mm. But with that said, I respected him as a ball player. Like, I don't think there's anyone on this earth that can't, that would not respect what Kobe has done out on that court at mm. the very least. Right. Um, but, you know, there was that time where Chris Childs had to hit him with a two-piece in L.A. because he was just, like, being too handsy and grabby. And I was like, oh, so, like, that's when it started going downhill for me and Kobe because, mm. you know, you don't, as a Nick fan, like, you don't, you don't fuck with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'm not, you know, you know, the the stuff that went down in Eagle Rock also kind of had a part in how I felt about him. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, hearing kind of like the insider rumors about how he would talk to his teammates and how he wasn't only an asshole to opponents, which is understood. Yeah, it's the NBA. Fierce competitor. But when you are an adversary or you come off it. Right. That's something that I just can't understand, especially if you're trying to reach one goal and it's supposed to be one team, one dream. Also, <laughs> right. another another thing that turned me off was when he ratted um, Shaq out for cheating on his wife. I was like, "Bruh, you don't you don't do that. You just don't do that to your team and your family." You know what I mean? Right. There's um, definitely some un just like. Unawareness of of social norms to 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 say very <laughs> blank statement there, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, but then my opinion started to change. Yeah. Okay. So um, so it started to change, and this is before you moved to LA or after you got to the West Coast. It was after I got to the West Coast okay. for sure. Um, I my respect for Kobe as a person increased after I saw how he um, was contributing back to the game that he loved. So, of course, you know, Father Time is undefeated. Yes. So, you know, once he couldn't express, like, his gift in the physical form, I loved how he was paying it forward to up-and-coming ballers from, like, you know, the grassroots level to NCAA to, you know, pros. And on both the men and women's side, boys and girls. And... Also, like, I don't know, have you ever watched his ESPN Plus details? Yeah, those are um, good. I mean, those are really interesting. Oh, my God. I mean, those were better than any scouting report, any film session I've ever sat in. I was just like, and as someone who feels, it still feels like a student of the game, I was like, this is phenomenal. I <laughs> wish I had a resource like this. I would have mustered up 499 when I was playing ball at Wesleyan University to watch Kobe's details and really like learn from him. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciated that about Kobe as well. Just like how he was giving back, seeing him with his daughter, seeing him coming to WNBA games to, you know, uh, women's college games go, you know, it was really incredible to see how he was giving back to the game. And, that, and so it softened my image of Kobe afterwards. Yeah. And I think that's a really good, like, again, I'm glad that I called you because y- you know, you, you hit a lot of the, you hit you hit basically all the points, which is human beings are complicated, right? And so you can be a bad teammate, 
and a great player and not the best human being and a great dad and an ambassador of the game. And you can be all of those things, you know, without not being any of them. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> yeah. nothing that totally. you just said isn't either fact-based or opinions based on stories, rumors, or facts. But people are complicated, but also it's like the evolution of maybe part of it is, like you said, Father Time's undefeated. Like when you have to kind of either recalibrate who you are or just be the guy who used to be a good basketball player, um, he definitely had this renaissance. And Certainly. that's as somebody who, you know, again, I'm 41 and I'm definitely not perfect. And, you know, like, yeah, 23 year old me. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb kid, right? And yes. and yeah. you know you can either be that some version of that dumb kid the rest of your life, or you can grow up. And I think, yeah, you nailed it. Like a lot of immaturity, yeah, I mean, you know. But then you know, then a lot of maturity. So, go ahead. yeah, I think that people, you know, when we as a society look at these athletes, a lot of them have what we think is like superhuman ability, mm. um, and. It, from a physical perspective, that may very well be the case. But at the end of the day, they're human beings, right? And, you know, Kobe, being around Kobe's age, I'm like, try to imagine being in his shoes, going to the league at 17 years old. You know, all of a sudden, one day you're a high school student, the next day everybody knows who you are, you're getting paid millions of dollars, you're playing for one of the premier um, teams in the best basketball league in the entire world. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I would be an asshole in that, <laughs> in that regard. One of my friends that I play ball with, we're like, we think about, we're like, what if we were like good enough to go D1 and then play in the pros? And we're like, we would absolutely be assholes if that was the case. We'd be such assholes. So I think that like Kobe was just kind of going through like you said, he was maturing, which is everything, which is what we all do. We just don't do it in front of in millions public. of people yeah. internationally right. <laughs> on a huge stage. So I think about like the stupid shit I did when I was 23, when I was 20, when I was 18. And I'm like, I'm, I'm happy there was no social media. Oh, when yeah. I was that age. Yeah, we've said that. I mean, we had uh, a collective, the collective we, you know, have said that. People our age are just like, yo. Thank you for disposable cameras from CBS that never got developed. Like, thank you for no, thank you for no Facebook as a high school senior or a college senior for me. You know, I mean, yeah. And again, it doesn't mean I was any worse or any better than any other kid at that age. But like, the awareness of all that. And, and Kobe, even though he was living in an analog world when it started, like you said, every every media outlet, every fan, every everybody was was like, is this seventeen year old swing player, you know, gonna make it? Because before that, it was all like, you know, Moses Malone, KG, you know, fours, fives, you know, guys who were just supersized. And Kobe was the first guy who was a wing uh, in a long time to go out of high school. And, yeah, it definitely, ha- you know, again, it, it excuses no immaturity of any of us, but it also, you have two choices in life. You get more mature and be better or don't. And, you know, he embraced the be better, which I think is, you know, yeah. really encouraging um, for anybody, especially if you don't, like, listen, we could all live to be 80 or we could all have something like that happen to us and we don't get to control that. And so, you know, get better every day, literally. And I think that there's, the moral of the story is, you know, what you are at, you know, 25 doesn't have to define you. Um, exactly. Good, bad, or indifferent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's scientific studies out there. Like, it's a scientific thing that, like, you know, before the age of 25, uh-huh. our prefrontal cortex isn't even uh-huh. developed. Yes, and that's, like, the vital area where, you know, that kind of rules our decision-making. Yep. So to imagine having this responsibility, being in a grown man's game, especially in the league at that point in time, it was definitely an older man league. It was yeah. an older league. Um, and do what he did, like, is incredible. And I feel like he had to kind of go through that struggle so that people like LeBron could flourish. Because yeah. <laughs> he was really one of the, the few people in the beginning to actually do that. I mean, you worked at St. John's where the great Felipe Lopez played. Yes. And he, everybody told him to go to the league. And I'm sure he was just like, go to the league? Like, nobody does that. Like, right. not, you know, right out of high school. So it takes a lot of courage 
um, to do what he did and kind of pioneer through that as well. Yeah, and he, he really normalized it because then, then you did have a flurry of people go, um, <laughs> and including LeBron, who clearly was, I mean, LeBron was ready for it. And as a phenom, I mean, he was getting covered on ESPN at 16, but at least there was Kobe who kind of like, I mean, I think LeBron said it, and I, I haven't been paying enough attention, but like, what do you have? He had three or four players on his walls. It was AI, Jordan, Magic, and Kobe, right? So, yeah. I mean, even yeah. though LeBron's only five, maybe five years younger than, than and Kobe, is a big, it's a big five years, you know, when, you, mm-hmm. when you're going from high Huge. school too, right? So, yeah, for sure. Huge. Um, yeah. All right, so let, let's get into kind of some of the, the stuff going on out in L.A. Um, you know, what have you seen? Or what, I mean, I'm sure that everybody kind of collectively was just, for lack of a better phrase, melancholy. Um, for, for maybe they still are with the news of all this. I mean, has the mood been just like, can you feel it? Is it palpable in the city? Was it palpable in the city? Yeah, certainly. You know, um, it was a shock to me a little bit because, you know, I just like my idea of LA is that, you know, people sometimes I question the, um, the genuineness Mm, of people in LA. Um, And also, you know, this is a city that's driven by the entertainment industry, not necessarily by sports per se, you know, being from New York, having lived in Boston, I wouldn't call LA a huge, huge sports city, although it is a respectable sports city. Um, So it was surprising. It was shocking to me to see how affected people were who aren't even sports fans, you know, um, and I think I underestimated how much of an icon Kobe really is outside of the sports world. Mm, okay. um, yeah, and then, you know, also with L.A., you know, it's 70 and sunny every day. So if there's one gloomy day or sad day, you wake up the next day, the sun comes out. <laughs> it's like, you know, like that song, the Annie song, the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. um, and sometimes it feels like um, Groundhog's Day. So I think that also kind of fosters a environment where you can sort of like forget about the bad times really easily because you're like, oh, it's a beautiful day out. And, you know. Right, you can um, appreciate the finer little things, right? Like, Yes, totally. But there was still a melancholy um, within L.A. that was felt the day after. Um, I think people are still, it still feels surreal, mm. and I think people are still stunned. Um, and, you know, I, it's been incredible because, like, as soon as it happened, people started flocking to Staples, and there's a ton of murals popping up. And I'm not talking about like, like poor quality. Like, oh, I'm just gonna throw this up real quick so there's something up. Like, mm-hmm. people just working painstakingly hard to like honor Kobe. It's been incredible to see. Um, I think another thing for me is that I've always looked at the Lakers as like showtime Lakers, yeah. right? Cause like my age, when I grew up, like when I was younger and my first experiences was that with basketball was the showtime Lakers, like magic Johnson, all those guys. So like, to me, when you look at the, the Lakers games back then, it was all about like the Laker girls and like the, all the A-list celebrities sitting courtside who probably in my mind weren't true like fans, basketball right. fans. Um, and so what was interesting to see was just like the, the real Angelinos being really sad about Kobe. It wasn't just like, you know, all the entertainment people who love Kobe because he brought championships and, you know, was a reflection of that glamour part. Mm. But like the people that really make this city run yeah. just being devastated. Yeah, right. And that's and that's I think where I mean again, he's a worldwide icon and people are mourning around the world, but everybody forgets about the real Los Angelinos, right? Like mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, and a lot of you are transplants too, right? Like, cause I mean, people, yeah. are, but like, like even if people have been there, you know, 14 years or 40 years or their whole lives, like, you know, there is, there is a, a huge working class that, like you said, runs the city and those people have, you know, sports heroes and legends too. Right. And 
when someone gets struck down when they're, you know, not in their athletic prime, but certainly the prime of their life, wow. I mean, that hits, right? That just hits really hard. So what, um, what are some of, like, either the murals or memorials or tributes or, like, anything that, like, sticks out as being exceptionally poignant? I do agree that there's a lot of, like, high-quality kind of stuff going up and people are really putting their heart and soul into it. But anything that sticks out to you that you've seen? Um, well, Gavin, I live on the west side of L.A., um, so there's not a lot of Angelinos out on the west, like native Angelinos sure. on the west side, and a lot of the murals are kind of over closer to Staples and, um, you know, further east of where I am, so I haven't gotten to see any of the murals, like, in real life, um, but I have seen them on Instagram and stuff like that. Um, I'm really loving the ones that include Gianna. I saw one that, um, you know, we have these utility boxes by stoplights. Um, and I saw one that had like Kobe carrying Gianna, um, when she was like younger, I think it was like maybe his last game playing or something like that. Um, she's in his arms and it also, um, gives pays tribute to the other passengers on the mm, helicopter nice. um because i think you know inherently when you when you pass away along with somebody as big as kobe bryant it's like hard for i think it's like you know you those folks get overshadowed just inherently yeah. um i do think that people are doing a good job of being conscious of also honoring the other passengers however it still feels like an afterthought sometimes so a lot of the murals that I've seen have been either solely, you know, tri- a tribute to Kobe, um, or they'll have Kobe and Gianna in it, um, but not necessarily all of the passengers who, yeah. you know, their their lives matter too. But it's like when I think about like tragic deaths, like I remember when Aaliyah died yep. um, when we were younger. Like I can't tell you one other passenger that was on that flight. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> like, it's true. I mean, and it's it like you said, it's it's hard because it's really tough to do a good job, like mm-hmm. giving everybody a, a, a proper memorial when when somebody that they're traveling with is happens to be just known, you know, and like. We said it earlier, Kobe was on has been on TV since like 1995. And now, yeah. you know, that was you know, almost 30 years ago now, 25 years ago. And so, you see somebody their entire adult life all the time, including very recently. I mean, he was on TV a lot with with Gianna at games. He was, you know, he's very public still, and then he's gone in, a, in an instant. And all these other people are too, tragically, but with the exception of Gianna a little bit, we didn't watch any of these other people grow up. And so it's really hard to make sure that you honor the other people appropriately, but I mean, they certainly deserve to be remembered. And so that's, that's just another like really just tough piece of this puzzle. It's just like, wow, like, you know, how do you feel bad? How do you feel badly for somebody that you didn't know, but you know that you should because they'd experience the exact same like cut shortedness of their life as this person that you felt like you did know, even though, you know, I personally clearly didn't know any of the people um, you feel like you know Kobe because he's in your life for so long. Yeah, totally. I mean, he was in the forefront. I mean, he was in the league since he was 17 years old. And yeah. he, he, like, retired when he was, what, 38? Yeah. Um, he had an extraordinarily long career, more so than most pro athletes, and we really got to see him grow and develop. So when you get to see that happen, you feel like you know someone, even though you've never had a conversation in your life with this dude. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I think people are are trying to be conscious of it. And, you know, with social media and stuff, I think it's a lot easier yep. to keep that front of mind. Um, than, That's true. You know, yeah. I, yeah. And, and I do think there's enough people out there who, um, who you know, who, who are trying to kind of, again, kind of walk that balance of you can't make it all about the person who's the person everybody remembers, but it's human nature. It's just a weird thing, you know? Um, can you think of any, like, other moments like this in L.A. or even, like, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, like, a single death, too, or, like, a like a, a 9-11 is a very different level thing, right? Or, like, a... Yeah. You know, or even the Challenger explosion, I guess, when we were very little. I mean, you know, and that was kind of like a, that was NASA. That was like a national thing anyway because they were putting a teacher into space. And so it was like, but this is kind of, 
more one of those things where like everybody was minding their own business and then boom, like everything changes, right? And it's not a suicide, yeah. it's not a homicide, you know, it's not a drug overdose where those are all incredibly sad, clearly too, but you know, an accident is just like a different level of, of kind of gut punch because it could yeah. happen to any of us. Absolutely. And I mean, I think about Kobe in that helicopter and I'm like, I'm sure he's taken that ride a thousand times, you know, when he was playing with the Lakers, he was yeah. doing that commute. Cause you know, you've lived in LA. This traffic is no joke. And if you're coming <laughs> from Orange County. Yeah. Forget that. <laughs> like, you're spending a lot of time in your car. Um, Honestly, I I can't think of any death, particularly in L.A. Um, since I've been here. I know um, Paul Walker's death was pretty tragic, but I was actually still living in San Diego. Yeah, oh, really? Okay. San, yeah, at that point. And, you know, San Diego's a different beast, even though it's only 100 miles away from L.A. It's not quite as driven by the industry. It's its own thing, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're chilling by the beach, just, like, do, living their lives down there. Um, I also wasn't a big Fast and Furious fan, so although it was really sad for me, I it didn't hit me quite like... Kobe's death did. Right. Honestly, the only thing I think is somewhat comparable was Nipsey Hussle's yeah. um, death, but like that was also a homicide. So yeah. it, I mean, it was kind of tragic. It obviously was tragic, but it wasn't the same. Like, I don't think like, you know, a crip is going to come and like shoot me down. I don't think that's how I'm going out, you know? So it's not right. that is, you know, something that could happen to any of us, but I think Nipsey Hussle is the most comparable because yep. I didn't know Nipsey very well. I didn't know his music well. I knew of him. And I mainly knew of him because he um, endorses Puma. And Puma used to have offices in San Diego. And when I was getting my sports MBA down at San Diego State, we went and visited oh, okay. the Puma offices. Um, but I was shocked at how, like, devastated folks were yes. about Nipsey. And, um, you know, everybody flocking to the Marathon store afterwards to pay their respects to him. I'm looking at my, like, social media timelines and people I know from, like, Boston and New York are coming to L.A. and they're going straight to the Marathon store, yeah. you know, <laughs> in the hood to go pay, pay tribute to Nipsey. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know that, you know, he was... Uh, such a huge influence um, yeah. in folks' lives. And, you know, he was so L.A. too. So yes. L.A. was definitely sad about that death. But, you know, Kobe is just kind of on another, yeah. On another level. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I think after after I sent you some notes yesterday, Nipsey popped into my head. But again, it was, you know, and again, a homicide's no good. I mean, like, no, no death is okay. And, and again, it's... But, like, at least you can say, okay, well, I don't know why somebody would go and do that to somebody, but it happens in life a lot, and mm-hmm. so do accidents. But, again, like, you know, accidents happen every day, but none of us hear about any of them, you know? And that's just the weird, you know, the weirdest thing. And then you start thinking about how, holy cow, like, everybody, everybody is just, you know, like, you just have no idea. And so, anyway, it's, it's wild to get your head around. And then, yeah, so, but, yeah, I think Nipsey Hussle certainly, like, shook LA. Um, and then obviously sure. when, when you start getting into people being, being shot, I mean, I'm not old enough to remember something like a John Lennon, but clearly that probably affected New York city. Um, sim- very similarly, obviously to, to, to what with Nipsey getting shot, like, right. So like, but like, yeah, the, yeah, I'm trying to think of another accident where, where it was like this, like this dramatic of a pause. And I just, and I just can't, you know, I'm trying to think about it for a couple of days now and, I'm just trying to think of another accident where, you know, you know, again, and this is just literally popped in my head, like Dale Earnhardt at the Daytona 500 crashed into a wall, but like, he's a race car driver, right? Like, right. like not that the race car drivers are supposed to be killed in action, but like inherently it's a risk you take, right? Um, totally. Every so, time you get into that car. Right. And so I just can't remember, you know, I, I just can't remember anything else. You know, I'm kind of at a loss for, I can't even think of anything. So so it's kind of wild, but I, you know, I I do. Th- oh, let me ask you this: I didn't ask you this uh, pre-show, but like, how do you think, um, especially poor LeBron? Because LeBron, man, he's under a microscope. Like, 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 I have, I've evolved on him. Like, I've always thought he's a great player, 
But like mm-hmm. for a guy again to never get in any trouble and like be as relatively grounded as he is for how good he's been, for how long he's been good, and for how many people have just get letting him do whatever he wants for his, his whole life, basically. Like he gets a real bad rap for he's under a microscope, right? How did you think yeah. everything went with that tribute night, that speech? He had that dunk last night. Um, like, what were you? Like, where are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I. I'll preface this by saying I'm a huge LeBron fan, yep. and I I think that well, I'll I'll give you a little backstory on that too. So right before LeBron was about to leave Cleveland for the first time, yep. um, he moved his basketball camps to San Diego. Oh, and so that's when I was in school, so I got to intern with his basketball camp for two straight years. Nice. Um, he had like 700 kids there, like huge operation. And I just remember LeBron being there every single day for hours on end, working with the kids. Like everybody got signed memorabilia from him. Like, um, he took pictures with every camper, every counselor, every worker. Like I've got two pictures with him. And I was like, after that experience, Oh, and also, after every camp day, he would bring like local NBA guys and NCAA guys. They'd come through and they just play pickup. Wow. And we all could just watch this happening. Huh. It was nice. crazy. I was like, I don't even have to pay money for a ticket right now. That's <laughs> awesome. A good ball. So, like, no, after that, no one can say shit to me about LeBron. Because I feel like yeah. people are still mad at him because of the show, The Decision, which I feel like is just stupid at I mean, this point. It was 10 years ago, right? Like, <laughs> Seriously. It was 2010. It was a, yeah. It was a horrible mistake. Like, I feel like their hearts were in the right place with, like, donating proceeds to, you know, charity or whatever have you. But it was a terrible, it was a terrible do, idea. Do you want to hear a hot, a hot take I have on that, by the way? Yes, I'd love to. I, I I agree with everything you just said, and I also agree that it's it's, it's well past time to forget about that. But mm-hmm. I think selecting Jim Gray was the mistake. Um, really? <laughs> I, I just don't. Again, I think Jim Jim Gray is probably a great professional. He's been in the business for a long time, right? Like, uh-huh. like I just feel like when Jim Gray does it, it just has this weird vibe to it, like. He's probing. I, I don't know. I, I I guess LeBron trusted him because they hired him. But like, mm-hmm. like I just feel like if they went with like a Wilbon or like an Ahmad Rashad, which is more like Jordan era. But like, you know, like somebody who's just more of an NBA head. Like Dar- Doris wasn't as big back then. But like, you know, I feel like if he says it's a Doris, like it goes better. And I don't know why. I just feel like Jim Gray yeah. is the wrong foil for what was already a bad idea. And he was like an unsympathetic like. You know, kind of yeah. like smirky reporter dude. Again, I, I'm, I hate that I'm hating on Jim Gray for no reason right now, but like, I just think it was a bad idea, and then the personnel around him didn't help help didn't help the idea. Yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way, but I think that could kind of move the needle a bit because, like, as a host of a show, you're kind of laying the foundation of the vibe. You're like yeah. the DJ of this. TV show, yep. and if you don't get it, then it's just going to come off disingenuous, which is exactly how right. the decision came right. off. And that's not to say that Jim Gray is disingenuous overall. Again, I'm not here to have a referendum <laughs> on Jim Gray, but I, I think <laughs> you, Jim Gray. I think I know Jim. <laughs> hashtag my bad, um, Jim Gray. Jim Gray is like what? <laughs> He's like, so wait a second. Ten years ago, LeBron's forgiven, but I'm not exactly. Sorry, Jim Gray. <laughs> People don't forget. No, um, but but I just I, I think you nailed it. It's a, if you're the host, you're the DJ, and you got to you got to set up the star for success. And and he, LeBron was not set up for success that night. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So I just think you know um, LeBron, everything that he's done, the way he's handled himself, even through the aftermath of the decision, even coming to the league with the spotlight that he came into the league with, um, he just has handled himself so well. And I think that's kudos to him, um, kind of like embracing 
this opportunity he's been given and doing the best that he can with it. I think it's kudos to the people around him. So I don't know if you ever saw his movie more than a game um, where it spotlights him and his like really good friends from high school. I did not, but that's go ahead. Yeah. Well, he's still rocking with those dudes. Like those dudes were definitely at his camp. Mm. Um, They're still his best friends. He's empowered them. Um, yeah. also in their lives as he's become more and more successful. So he's bringing them up as well. So I just like, yeah, can't hate that. LeBron. Yeah. Can't yeah. hate that. And I thought his speech was great. I thought going yeah. from the heart was great. And, um, yeah. he did a really good job for someone who's going off the top of his, off his head. I'm sure he had some of the talking points memorized, but I thought it came off really well. And, and honestly, um, I know last year was a real struggle for him to kind of ingrain himself into Lakers culture. Um, and I feel like he obviously probably would have eventually anyway, but I think, again, you know, he handles things pretty well. And I think this, this, he's handled this situation well, which I'm sure Lakers fans appreciate. Yeah. I think his speech to your point was really genuine and, um, heartfelt. Um, and it's just a really tough situation, right? Because if this happens to a normal person, in everyday life and someone who's really close to you passes away, like I can get bereavement leave, leave. But now like these guys are tasked with playing basketball when all they want to do is just have a moment to grieve. Mm-hmm. So it's just a particularly tough situation, you know, like how do you go back to playing after this tragic loss and, you know, start talking shit to the refs and talking shit to the guy next to you and everyone's just mourning. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's really difficult. It's super, yeah, it's super difficult. Like, don't know, don't even know how to, yeah. Yeah, and and again, these guys are human beings, like with just exceptional physical skill, but they have feelings too, and they hurt too. And Kobe influenced and had a part in all of their lives, right? So, yeah, and that's that that part's even. I think, like, uh, he he hung on a long time and played a long time, but. Obviously, LeBron's one of the oldest guys in the league. Like a lot of those, a lot of those players. I mean, were around for 2010, and, and you know, I mean, I mean, right now, like, listen, Michael Jordan's probably closer to 60, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if Michael, if something happened to Michael Jordan tonight, you know, God forbid, I'd be really upset because, like, I was, you know, like I'm a Celtics fan, but you couldn't ignore the greatness of Michael Jordan as a player when you were in the 80s and 90s, you know, so. And Absolutely. I'd be shook, and I'm 41, and he would be probably whatever he is, 58 or 60 or whatever. I don't, sorry, Mike, if you're like, <laughs> but I think Mike's pretty, pretty close to 60, so 55 at least. So, but like the, the bottom line is, it, it it would be crushing just because somebody that you was your hero as a kid is gone, and you know, for for Kobe, it's all the guys in the league now. So you're right, the the grieving yeah. process is going to have to come unnaturally, which is yeah. tough too. So it's a really yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely. I mean, everybody else has covered it. As I said at the beginning, before you got on, like, I'm not trying to cover this to be salacious. I'm trying to kind of see, you know, I figured you weren't a Lakers fan, especially growing up, and I, I knew, and I, but I knew you were there at Ground Zero, and I know that you understand basketball. So, I thought it would be yeah. a good. I thought it would be a good topic for conversation. Anything else that I'm missing on this, whether it's in LA or just legacy wise for 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 Kobe or anybody else? Um, I think that. You know, one thing that is just like really, really sucks for, I guess, me personally with this whole thing is like, you know, it felt like Kobe was starting to kind of start, was just getting started with the second phase of his life. Uh-huh. Um, and what I really respected about Kobe is that he was more than just a basketball player. You know, he spoke multiple languages. Like, he, you know, he won an Emmy and an Oscar for Christ's sake. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> you think Jordan's going to win that? Like, no. How many players are act- with, will that actually happen to? It's, um, it's really incredible and kudos to him in, like, not just, like, bettering his basketball game, but also bettering himself. Yeah. Um, and, again, the mentorship piece was just huge for me. And I'm not... And I think that it traveled across all sports as well because I remember seeing him at, like, U.S. Open games when, like, Naomi Naomi Osaka and Coco Golf were playing and, you know, exposing Gianna to that too. So 
I just, I don't know. It's just like really tough. Cause you know, when you're 40, I think that you realize like you may not be on this earth for another 40 years. Right. And when I turned 40, one of the things I started reflecting a lot on the, you know, the 40 years that I've been on this earth and kind of determining like, is that how I want to live the second half of my life? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And, uh, I think that he kind of had, was like starting that plan and it's a shame that we didn't get to see him kind of live that out. Um, I'm also like sad that I was really looking forward to seeing Gianna develop. Mm. I was like, Oh, she's going to be a beast. Cause she already had like the physical, um, attributes that Kobe had with the long limbs and arms and legs. Yeah. Um, and, the way just seeing her game develop in the short time that she was on this earth um, has been incredible. So it would have been awesome to see that kind of flourish and her being the one that carries on the legacy for Kobe. Because I think everybody was like, you got to have a son and like, you know, have your son carry on this legacy. And she was kind of like, no, I got this. Right. I got it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's what makes and, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes it tragic and, and for the other folks on the, on the flight as well, I mean, again, they, they all had plans too, right? And so, and we might not have known about them, you know, we covered that earlier, but like, it sucks for everybody and it really sucks for the people that you knew were doing stuff because, like you said, they clearly got shortchanged and in some ways the audience gets shortchanged too because, you know, like you said, if your second, if your second act already has an Emmy and an Oscar, I mean, dang, right? Like, wow, pretty good. Just pretty yeah. good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I mean, tomorrow's not promised to any of us. And I think one thing that Kobe would probably want to leave on this earth is the idea of just like being better yeah. um, every day and just getting better and not selling yourself short um, and really like making the most of your time here. Um, and that's what kind of I think all of us are kind of coming away with. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think if, if you can live that kind of life and then still have it end in a blink, like like we're all <laughs> we're all on this earth right now and we don't have guarantees and it's like you hate for these moments to be moments to jar you back into position, but yeah. you can't not walk away with a lesson learned here if you're everybody else. So totally. You know. Oh, I need to tell you the story too oh, yeah, sure. of how Kobe like made my summer twenty seventeen. Oh yeah, let's end it on oh, this. That's a good way to end on a high note. I like it. <laughs> So, you know, um, so my, in my past life, I worked on advertisements, like TV commercials, essentially. Yep, yep. Um, and the last ad agency I worked at, I worked on the Gatorade account. And, you know, Gatorade has been like the perennial, like sports performance drink for years and years and years. Like if you look at the market share, it's like Gatorade owns like 75% market share and like Powerade is like maybe 20 or or so and then there's like a bunch of little itty bitty folks that have the rest of that pie um but one of those companies that had the rest of the pie was body armor yeah and kobe was like the second or third largest investor in that company and one of the things that kobe was also doing is writing commercials so on the summer of 2017 i guess you know kobe was like body armor needs to go after the big dog Gatorade. So he produces a bunch of these like commercials with the, um, athletes that are, that represent Mm -hmm. body armor. And just so you know, like the athletes that are signed to body armor get to also have equity in the company, which I think is really cool. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he just like, puts out this slew of commercials and the tagline is like, thanks Gatorade. We've got it from here. <laughs> yeah. So when I tell you that like our client was just like beside themselves and trying to like clap back. Um, it was just like, they had our creatives just doing a bunch of different like iterations of like creative ideas that would like clap back at body armor, but not, name them in particular yeah don't give me a shine yeah (laughs) yeah 
And they were making all these claims about how Gary was better. And I'm like, I don't know if we can substantiate this. <laughs> and like, why do you care? They only have 5% market share. Yeah, you got under their like, skin. Wow. <laughs> And it was just like, there were just so many like last minute changes and stuff like that just made my summer just like horrible. And it was funny because when I would confide in people about it and I'd be like, yeah, so there's this brand called Body Armor. They'd be like, oh, I didn't know Under Armour was making right. sports drinks. Right, right, <laughs> But he even had Gatorade shook it for Yeah, I'll summer. tell you what. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's how you come at people, man. You know, it's. That's like guerrilla marketing 101 right there, you know, just like find a way to get under their skin and then they're thinking about yep. you for no reason. Like why are they think why are you thinking about them? You've 90 you've 95% of the market, you know? <laughs> you are their market. <laughs> right. Like you don't need to worry about them for like another 20%. But anyway. <laughs> exactly. You do do what you got to do. Well, that's actually a good that's a good story and that shows the competitiveness and the intelligence and like the follow through that, you know, Clearly, he exhibited on the court and, and exhibited, you know, um, in many ways after after basketball ended in terms of being a pro. Um, and again, everybody's complicated, including including Kobe Bryant. And so, yeah. you know, you, you hear a lot of a lot of stories, good, bad, or indifferent, and they're all part of the tapestry that makes up a human being. So, you know, that is what that is. But I do think that um, it was clearly one of those moments where people just everybody kind of took a step back. And uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on and talking about it, Tana. Well, thanks for having me. I thanks for sharing this labor of love with me. I, I'm like, it's funny because you know when we work together and you think about that time in our lives, and I'm like, and you think about who you would keep in contact with, yep. you know, damn near 20 years later. Yeah, I'm like, I wouldn't have guessed that we would still be <laughs> like in contact like this. Like you've even met like a member of my family, and most people yeah. don't get that chance. And I'm like. I really appreciate you, and I really am so excited that you even thought about me to yeah. contribute to well, your podcast. Well, likewise. No, I, like I said, I, I it's great when I get to go out to L.A. and I get to catch up with you, and and uh, it's it, like technology is awesome because like now you can talk to people that you're friends with and and do a podcast all at once, which has been a fun thing for me in general. And um, yeah, I mean, let's let's get you back on if you think of other ideas let me know. I'm always, I'm always up for it. And then I'll, I'll definitely try to think of things with you as well. Um, especially cause LA basketball to get back to NBA real quick is like yeah. probably going to blow up all spring. Cause the two best teams in the West yeah. are both playing in the same building. So, um, yeah. we, we might have to have you be our West coast b-ball correspondent <laughs> as the, uh, as the season keeps burning on here. So, um, that would be dope. you know, LA surprisingly is a hotbed of basketball. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this until I went to San Diego state and I was there when, like, Kawhi Leonard was there. Right. And we made that Sweet 16 run. And you look at the roster, and a lot of these kids were from, like, L.A., yeah. Sacramento, the Bay. I was like, man, they got some ballers out yeah. there. When you're, New like <laughs> when you're a New Yorker, you're like, I thought it was all in New York, you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, these kids are balling. There's some long, lanky, talented dudes out here. So For sure. It's That's been fun to witness that as well i, I hear that all right well hey stick around for a second offline we'll catch up but thanks for being on thank you and everybody else <laughs> listen to the listen to the podcast filibuster freestyle subscribe rate review good reviews bad reviews we'll take them all thanks for listening everybody <laughs>